I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus, the new BCS. Why the new BCS? Because it's Brett, Colin, and Stucky here to talk about some college football in an unstructured pattern where we're just going to shoot the shit here about Tennessee being ranked number one in the AP poll, the uh, college football playoff projections, getting all uh, uh, (laughs) jumbled around names that we haven't seen since 1998, pressing up at the top. Uh, is Clemson back? Do they have a clear path? One for the road at the end. We're going to have a sources stumper where I trail Stucky big time in trivia. No shock there. We're going to have some box score frauds here too. But before we get to that, guys, how did your weekend go? Because I went two and four on the show and I was cursing that Oklahoma State TCU under. I'm taking an under every week on TCU on this show. And it's just another dreadful, a push and now a loss the last two weeks. Uh, thanks to overtime with, uh, with the pokes there. So how'd you guys do on the show? Uh, show, I think I went three and one or three and two. Um, and yeah, overall betting, uh, I hit my round Robin, I hit, um, I know we got four or five on the show. Yep. I had my round Robin and I went 14 and four outside of that. So yeah, I'm uh, afraid of what's to come (laughs) these next couple weekends, but yeah, it was a very good weekend and it was just, you know, obviously Saturdays when you're winning and you have a good day, they're very enjoyable. But that Saturday was awesome. That's everything college football is about. Like all the ranked games, all of them were close for the most part. And they were thrilling. And I went back today and this is kind of like my slow day. I'm updating numbers, going back and look. But I just, I put that Tennessee Alabama game back on because when you're betting and, you know, I, I had money on Tennessee, I was rooting for Tennessee for future stuff. You, but you, I'm also paying attention to like Charlotte and like you know, so that game was BYU, right? Yeah, that game was state. Yeah, so like I didn't get to enjoy it, and I'm going nuts. And then you know, I'm also drinking all day, so I didn't get to enjoy it as much as uh, I would have if I just watched that. Like if I was just in a room, sober watching it on CBS. So it was it was an awesome game. I mean, the just the drama, the back and forth, the big plays, that is what college football is all about. So yeah, what a day. It was a hyped day that lived up to its expectations. And yeah, now Tennessee's four ranked wins on the, on the season now lead the country. Um, so yeah, I don't mind them being ranked number one for now. 
They're going to have to keep proving it. My fear is that I'm going to lose 14 to one to win the division and they're going to win the national title. If they, if they lose to Georgia, they could still back in to the college football playoff. But uh, that, that would be the most exclusive gambling ticket of all time to lose an SEC championship ticket, but have have that team win. not not even chip, chip division 14 to one, and then they're going to win the national title. I got to pivot over to Brett. Brett, tell me about your weekend, but tell me if a team can not win their division and still win the national title. Absolutely. Just look at it. uh, It happened. Yeah, it's happened. The thing for Tennessee is they have to beat Georgia to get to the title game. If they don't, they're not going to be in the title game because Georgia is not going to lose twice. So then for Tennessee to get to the playoff, they need Georgia to beat Alabama in the SEC title game because if, Alabama is 12 and one SEC champs. The committee will not take Tennessee over the SEC champions. I don't care that Tennessee won the head to head. It was a three point game decided on the last play of the game. Georgia also would get in at 12 and one, but there is a scenario that I, that I did on my bowl projections Monday that you could get those three teams in the playoff very simply, like I explained, but you need Ohio state's, Look, we figure they're going to run the table. So that's four. That What that means is we need Clemson to stumble and we need the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to kind of beat up on each other, which I think will happen. Then you could have three SEC teams playing in the playoff. I don't want that. I would hate that. But it's a real possibility. And it basically just boils down to Alabama winning out, Tennessee and Georgia winning the rest of the games they should, and then Clemson stumbling somewhere down the road. Yeah, right. Yeah, but by the way, we're 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 assuming Alabama's gonna run the table. This is that Tennessee game, big trend over since Bryce Young's got there, and he was amazing. So it wasn't his fault. But over the last past couple years, you look at all their true road games, they have either been close or losses, like even a Texas AM, and they go to LSU and then to Ole Miss in back-to-back weeks in November. So those aren't necessarily guaranteed wins, and that could throw another wrench into all of this. So yeah, it's gonna be one hell of a race to the finish right now, Tennessee second in strength of schedule. And and I, I know that all the big 10 fans out there are saying like, well, Michigan could do the same thing, right? One loss to Ohio state, their strength of schedule is 31st. They'll obviously get a bump when they play Ohio state, but that's going to be, that's one of the things. I mean, Brett, you've tried to tell us since you came over to action network that the committee looks at all these variables, right? And strength of schedule, strength of record. Is that, that's something like in a Michigan, Tennessee head to head, say they had, one loss and they didn't win their divisions, would it come down to well, how tough was your schedule? Yeah. I mean, if in that scenario, Colin, Michigan will say they're 11 and one, they lose to Ohio state. So what's, what's their big win? Penn state. Yeah. That's it. Alabama. But, you They beat Alabama. That'll be the Trump card. It's like, all right, you, you, yeah, you lost mean, to Ohio state. You lost to Georgia. Those are number one and two. Okay. What have you done? Number one, your overall schedule is harder. Tennessee. They also have a couple of their non-conference. Like they went to Pitt instead of playing like Hawaii. And Tennessee, then, Tennessee then you have, have the Trump wins card. against Tennessee would have wins against Pitt, Bama, at LSU, and Kentucky. Michigan yep. would have Penn State. It's not even close. Right. Yeah. So for <laughs> all the Big Ten fans out there, uh, not looking good for getting two teams into the college football playoff. Right now, Brett has Georgia and Tennessee meeting in the Fiesta Bowl which I'm glad he slotted him in the Fiesta Bowl because the other playoff is Ohio State and Clemson, which we've seen in the Fiesta Bowl. I feel like we've seen them in every college football playoff uh, setting. So uh, I believe last time they played there, the field was slippery uh, when Clemson and Ohio State played. But uh, that's what Brett's got right now. 
Brett, I'm trying to find out where you stuck out. Alabama still in the Sugar Bowl. Now you've got them in the SEC hungover. I don't want to be in this New Year's <laughs> Six game. Consolation game that yeah. Saban calls it. Yeah, the consolation game. Interesting enough, we got TCU there. I guess as Big Twelve, maybe as Big Twelve champions, you got Oklahoma State there as Cotton Bowl. Uh, so you know we have so much to determine here in the Big Twelve. We can't even get close to what is the happy path for each one of these teams for TCU, Kansas State, uh, and Oklahoma State. The only teams that you know don't have two losses, I think. So Oak, Oak State, Texas is like an elimination game, right? Pretty much. I would say, yeah, I would say Texas is already eliminated, but. We'll, no, I'm we'll, saying for Big 12, for Big 12 championship. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because then Texas will have the tiebreaker. And, I mean, if Texas loses, they're done in the Big 12. And Oklahoma State takes two losses, two won't losses, have the tiebreaker right. over Texas. Yeah. yeah. But, unless, yeah, there's still T- so much to be The only way I stuck is if TCU runs the table, they're 9-0, and and then second place is 7-2, and and then you got a million different scenarios mm-hmm. that way. But a 7-2 yeah. and two Big 12 conference champion will not go to the college football playoff. Sure. If they yeah. beat undefeated TCU. Yeah. Right. But they could steal one of those New Year's six balls. Uh, Quinn Ewers making us all money on uh, on New Year's Eve would uh, uh, be something nice. So we'll get to that. Um, I think we want to review some box scores. Like we have some frauds out there we should probably talk about. So uh, I pulled these from college football data uh, and, and we'll talk about a couple of these. I think the first one I wanted to talk about was Air Force was a 65% postgame win expectancy and they did beat UNLV uh 42 to 7 but it was just 65 percent. so there was a lot of turnovers in that game and i see notre dame is steaming against unlv i know freel was running a quarterback we need to check to see if doug brumfeld's coming back but with injury uh but that was the first one on my list the you know a couple others that i had on there and, and if you guys want by, to- by the way unlv brumfeld not on the depth chart but that doesn't necessarily mean anything coach arroyo today said day to day with his concussion and uh, their leading rusher left the game with an injury, but he was on the depth chart. Their second leading receiver, Williams, was on the depth. There's a lot of injuries for UNLV to monitor. And before you go on, Con, I, who who that Notre Dame popped up for me, and they play each other this week. I mean, yeah, they should have beat Stanford. They shouldn't have covered, but they three three lost fumbles, two turnover on downs. They only have two takeaways on the year. Liberty has 18, and I, I mean, I don't know. Tommy Reese is. Just game planning in general has been so bad. I, I can't figure out Notre Dame. If you can figure out Notre Dame, uh, you must be next, like, galaxy brain, real legit galaxy <laughs> brain, because this team, like, hangs with Ohio State. You lose at home to Marshall, looks like a corpse. Then you dominate UNC. You dominate BYU. You barely beat Cal at home. Then you lose to a Stanford corpse at home. I mean, who who's Notre Dame? That, so that what that means is Notre Dame's going to lose to UNLV this week, and then they'll, they're going to knock Clemson out of the college football playoff. Um, I Notre Dame to me is a, a, a complete enigma. I have no idea what's going on with that team. Never had any love for Tommy Reese. He's a very conservative play caller. And I think there was like a 24 hour period where we didn't know if Brian Kelly was going to bring him from South Bend down to Baton Rouge. It's like nobody knew what Tommy Reese's status was, but uh, he ended up ultimately staying and Brian Kelly went another way. Uh, a couple others uh, as I work down the list Ohio 52% post game win expectancy. They beat Western Michigan. Big score, 33-14, but Western Michigan, who is bad, as Stucky and I said on yesterday's podcast, uh, but it was actually pretty close from a post-game win expectancy. West Virginia and that barn burner with Baylor, they were only 39% to actually win the game. And then this benefited me. I had a ticket on Michigan State, but they were only 28% to beat Wisconsin. Are we fading Wisconsin now, Stuck? We know Bobby Ingram's offense there is, you know, we know that they're going to be solid with Jim Leonard. Uh 
you know, Wisconsin was one of the teams I was looking to fade this week, but I have not pulled the trigger yet. I got to look. I produce there every week. They're like, uh, the NFL is kind of like this this year, but they're, they're like, an, there's so many injuries I got to monitor on their defense. And all, so I don't know. I, I got to dig into that. We'll talk about that more in the podcast later. Mm-hmm. Two other ones I wanted to mention JMU yep. was dominant and they lost, but they were negative 11 points in turnover luck. Plus, they turned it over twice on downs in Georgia Southern Territory. And then Miami, I'll bring this up for our producer, Matt Mitchell. You do more destruction than actual hurricanes to people like me. F- you. He had Miami, who should have covered. They absolutely dominated. They were 80th percentile in yards per play. Virginia Tech, sixth. It was an absolute just ass-kicking. I I don't know. I still don't know who Miami is. I mean, um, trying to figure that out. Are they going to trend up? But they, they dominated. Vontech should have covered. That was one of the unluckiest non-covers of the weekend. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I had for misleading box scores. You know who was covering the whole game, and then I, I I should say shit the bed, but it was actually pony shit on the field. Uh, SMU only had a 35% post-game win expectancy. Uh, they were beating Navy, you know, big, and then the fourth quarter came around, and Navy really had a big comeback there to, to get the cover. Um, other than that, the, the, biggest, the second biggest on the board was Georgia Southern, like you mentioned, but the biggest one on the board, Ball State beat UConn. They were only a 14% post-game win expectancy, so a little bit of box score fraud there. UConn I'm not sure I'm going to hop off this train. I mean, I mean, that's a, they should have won. They should have beaten Ball State. So, yeah, who's uh, Ball State got this week? I was going to fade them. Oh, my EMU boys. Yeah. EMU is going to beat them in Muncie. Yeah. Um, that was huge for UConn because UConn actually could have got to a bowl game if they win that, that Ball State game. I don't know if they can do it now, but that, do they have I think three other a, wins? That's a miracle for Jim Moore to get six wins. Yes. In, that, in yeah. year one. They got BC at home. A cure bowl. Brett, would you put them in the mass at home? Liberty at home. They could. They could get the six. It's not. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Possible, but it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how. They'll the- go to whatever. They'll call and they'll go to whatever bowl chooses last, unfortunately. They'll go to that TBA bowl TBA. that hasn't been announced yet. You're saying for- we, will be ha- we will be hammering them in a bowl if UConn goes to a bowl. Yeah. That program, uh, that program needs a, a bowl trip uh, pretty badly. Uh, if you want to do QB injuries, I'll, I'll list some that I have here. You can yeah. fill in any gaps. Uh, I know Will Levis for Kentucky left, and he came back, but they have a bye. It's on the monitor before that Tennessee game because he had a foot and he hurt his shoulder. So we'll see. Um, Jeff Sibbs, day-to-day for Georgia Tech. That's a weekday game. Um, he left towards the end of that game. Malik Cunningham for Louisville. I believe he'll be back home against Pitt, but we'll see. Concussion yeah, he'll be, he will be back. Okay. Uh, Spencer Sanders, I don't know. I like – the line says he's definitely out. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on there. We'll talk about that in a second. Texas Tech quarterback situation. If Shuck is cleared, McGuire said we'll see all three quarterbacks. I don't know what that means. Maybe just on the depth chart, but keep an eye on the Texas Tech quarterback situation. They play West Virginia. Blake Chapin for Baylor, concussion protocol. He got, I would doubt he plays. Um, he got absolutely leveled. Tanner Morgan and Sean Clifford. This is the QB injury. I don't know what the hell's going on, Bowl. Um Colin, any thoughts? Are both of them out playing? Yeah. We don't know yet. Well, from from what I took from P.J. Fleck earlier today, this is a Monday afternoon, guys. So what I took from P.J. Fleck is that Tanner Morgan's doing great. That, uh, you know, he wouldn't mention his status with the concussion protocol, but that he was he was in great health and uh, it, things are looking positive and trending the right way. Sean Clifford is not a concussion injury. Sean Clifford uh, went to the medical tent. Uh, they were looking at his shoulder. Uh, I think that's a much bigger problem. 
when he got hurt, he was replaced by Drew Aller, which uh, is a, is somebody that I think the Penn State fan base has wanted to play quarterback for quite some time. But uh, I think it's more detrimental that Sean Clifford is dealing with a shoulder injury than it is that Tanner Morgan is dealing with a head injury. Yeah, something to keep an eye on there. Tunga Vailoa for Maryland. I would assume he's out for the year, but I don't know. Uh, we'll get MRI results to tomorrow. He left. Billy Edwards actually came in the game and let a you know they were down when he came in, but he is significantly less talented. I think he was like a three star kid. He's a Wake transfer, so keep an eye on there. They are home against Northwestern. We have a Troy South Alabama big game in the belt this week. Ladanian Webb, the South, South Alabama's leading rusher, he left the game early, never returned. And then Gunnar Watson for Troy left. Coach said he was available, could have came back in. Him and Daigie, they he said both will be available this week. Um, the only other one I had here is, oh, Liberty. I, I don't know. Like, the, Bennett is awful, their quarterback. Salter, he had groin surgery. But then Charlie Brewer is practicing. So he might be back this week. I don't know. That's something to keep an eye on because there's just – I think like if Bennett goes, I'm not even looking at Liberty. If Brewer's back, I, I can't figure out who Brewer is. But Salter, if he played and was healthy, I might look Liberty, especially if he gets seven. So those are some of the ones that I had. But come before you fill in any gaps, and n- nothing yet on Spencer Sanders, right, too early in the week, Brett? No, nothing yet. And like we talked off air, Mike Gundy's notorious for withholding injury information, even to the TV broadcast partners. Even if they promise not to release it until kickoff, he still will not give out any info. So, you know, obviously the Lions moved a ton. I talked to somebody at Oklahoma State, said after the game, Sanders didn't even ice down anything. So we'll we'll see what happens this week. But obviously that's something to monitor. Yeah, and I think I'm not, I'm not saying that this is what happened today, but you can shape a line any way you want on Mondays. Limits are low. You can move it. You can get what you want. And then when the news comes, you know, you can sell it whenever the news comes out. So uh, I would just pay attention to what's happening with this Texas Oklahoma state line, because, you know, as much resources as we have here, we can't find anything that's actually wrong with Spencer Sanders. So uh, a couple of other quarterback information and, you know, I got quarterback Gary Bohannon down in South Florida. He took a shot to his right shoulder in the second quarter. He went to the medical tent. Uh, he had extra by this week though, right? Yeah. They're on a buy. Yeah, they're off this week. Same thing with Jordan Addison at USC, right? His leg buckled. He came out in the third quarter. So USC's on a bye, but make sure and, and keep an eye on Jordan Addison. Uh, Doug Brumfeld, who we, we've already mentioned here, uh, you know, he he did go through the walkthrough uh, on Friday, and he's hopeful to return hopefully this weekend, but that's a big plus. We don't know about Aiden Robbins or running back, but that's a big part of their ground attack before they take on Notre Dame. KJ Jefferson admits Tennessee, like, you know, kicking this field goal and all these crazy things happening on TV. KJ Jefferson uh, in late in the fourth quarter came out of the game and Malik Hornsby was in. Uh, he hit the turf really hard at the end of a run. Uh, it was called a post-game stinger. Uh, and, you know, Pittman said that he was doing well today. So I guess we don't technically have to worry about that. Utah State, I, I we got some issues. Bishop, Bishop Davenport, they're, they played their four-string quarterback. I, for, I was looking at that score. I was like, seven. how do they win? And then I looked into it. Yeah, they're down to their four-string quarterback. Uh, although I don't know how – or Legas and, and Williams hurt. I, I, I They left in the first half. I don't know how hurt they are, though. I didn't look at an update. Legas had a second quarter uh, on a slide. He went to the locker room. He was ruled out with a concussion. Uh, he was replaced by Levi Williams. Uh, he suffered an ankle injury, which knocked him out of the game. Uh, and then Bishop Davenport got it. So I think we're going to get Bishop Davenport again this weekend. So uh, something to keep in mind with that. Davenport is – I, I got to look into this kid, but I, I saw like a uh, – a, tweet that they were like he's just like was on the developmental team and like he wasn't supposed to like play at all this year like obviously um and uh 
Yeah, he came in in the second half. He actually scored the uh, I know he's a freshman. Um, I think he finished three of nine passing. So like, like let's, uh, but he scored the game when he touched down. Yeah. He was three of nine for 40 yards against Colorado state. So I wouldn't expect much for Utah. We got Wyoming weather this week. Let's say if there's wind there, that total might should be like five. Yeah. That number did come down. That's the number I hit earlier today. What the under. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got 30. Oh, what time's the game? Is it afternoon game? It's two 30. Uh, what? Oh man, this says twenty nine mile an hour winds right now. No, I take it back. I'm sorry. This game is this is an eight p.m. game. Uh, it looks like it might. Well, it'll be. Yeah, they, I mean, granted, this twenty mile an hour still says. Granted, this is six days out, but there's a chance that we get real strong winds. I might hit this under with you now. Yeah, and War Memorial Stadium is a crosswind uh, orientation from sideline to sideline. It's something always you got to keep in mind. As far as injuries goes, I think the last one that I'll mention. Uh, we talked about Blake Shapin probably not going to play against Kansas this week for Baylor. Uh, Squirrel Williams is also out for them. He left the game uh, after a kickoff in the third quarter. Uh, he hit his head on the turf after he was tackled. It's called a head injury. Uh, Squirrel Williams has been a pretty big, you know, one of the few weapons to emerge for Baylor when we didn't know who was going to be some of their go-to guys for Shapin. So it looks like Baylor's really going to be out on the skill positions coming into this game against Kansas. Hey, Stuck, I, there was a couple more I saw. I don't know if you named these and I missed it. Um, at Oregon State, Chance Nolan, still in question protocol. They play Colorado, the Mighty Buffs this week. And then Emory Jones at Arizona State's been clear. They face Stanford coming off the uh, Notre Dame upset. Good call. Okay, so now that you guys have a full list of injuries that we are watching this weekend, uh, all the quarterbacks we could think of and some of the key skill positions out there, Make sure and go ahead and check all of your injury information before you play some bets, uh, especially with all the quarterbacks that we named and specifically in Texas, Oklahoma State. I would say <laughs> put notifications on that end in Sanders because, uh, we, you know, we're still digging to find out why this line has moved so far. Could be shaping. That's all it could be. Uh, but then again, could be Sanders is out. We'll find out. And with that, uh, I believe Brett's got something for us. Yeah, so uh, we we missed a kind of significant moment last week at least for me but i know you guys are big fans of former espn college football commentator bino cook well last week marked the 10-year anniversary of bino's death uh, there's actually a great book out right now on bino by john lucas called haven't they suffered enough my favorite bino story was back in 1957 and no stucky i was not alive then but still he was sports information director at pitt before the season started, a young woman calls the office wanting a copy of the football team's roster. Bino explains to her there are over 100 players on the roster, but after camp ends, the final roster will be smaller. The woman says she wants the entire roster. Bino again explains it would be easier to wait until after the roster is cut. The woman insists she wants the roster now. Bino asks her, would you mind telling me why you want the roster? She said, I want to sleep with everyone on the football team. So Bino asks her whether she wants the roster alphabetical or numerical. She says alphabetical. Okay, here it goes, Bino says. First name is Cook, comma, Bino, guard. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. True story, Pitt has since named its practice fields after Bino. So now every year when Pitt's official Twitter account tweets a photo from the first day of practice from Bino Cook Fields, I always retweet it, making a plea for Pitt to rename it Cook, Bino Fields. Maybe, hopefully, someday my wish will come true. <laughs> I this at Bino Cook to me as a teenager was one of the first times I ever heard gambling mentioned ever, and it was on ESPN. I don't know how ESPN was allowed to talk about it back then. Of course, I don't think they were managed by the mouse. Uh, but uh, Bino was talking about gambling, and uh, I think his national championship prediction at the beginning of every season was Notre Dame and Pitt. Uh, although. <laughs> I, I, I specifically remember him always taking the armed forces up against uh, Notre Dame and, or Pitt whenever they were playing. Uh, but one of the first times I ever heard about gambling on TV at all, anything, was was Bino and his commentary. So rest in peace, 10 years. Uh, I like that. That's a good story. Yeah, the Pope. They call him the Pope of College Football. And he actually, his name, Bino, I think his name is because he, I think he's originally from Boston, right? Then like, yeah. like Beantown and um, – but obviously very affiliated with Pitt and uh, yeah, a legendary college football voice. So yeah, rest in peace, Bino. Not too many, not too many other voices I like hearing when they get fired up in college football. All right. So with that, I think we're going to roll into Source of Stumper. I'm ready to take some more licks here. I think I'm, I, if if there was a magic number, Stucky would have hit it and he'd be on his way to the playoffs because I think I'm in deep <laughs> shit here. So let, let's Well, keep... I think we said we're going to, we're going to ask Colin what, just what he's thinking, right? Is that yeah, the, what, exactly. What he's <laughs> Colin, what are you thinking? That's worth the 100 points this week. It may sound easy, but it will test your head and your mind and your brain, too. There you go. I don't claim to be no 36 ACT now. Now it's time for America's favorite game show. We're still calling this the Sources Stumper. Checking out the leaderboard, Stucky, a commanding 14-6 to lead. Looks like Colin missed his extra point. Colin, since you're trailing, you can go first this week. And remember, no Googling. Here's this week's question. Of the current 131 FBS schools, in the past three years, there has only been four teams that has not won a game outright as an underdog. Who are the four teams? And since we only have four answers this week, I'll make them worth two points each. Uh, listeners, think about it for a second. Colin? You're up. Oklahoma. That's correct. 0-1-1 as an underdog. Stuck? Uh, Ohio State. That is incorrect. They beat Clemson as an underdog in the playoffs. They were an underdog in that game? That's yep. the only guy I could think of. Clemson. Colin? Clay, you already said it. Clemson. You're right. Yeah. They were an underdog only one time at Pitt last year. They did not win. Oklahoma's only underdog appearance last year at Oklahoma State. They did not win either. Colin making a comeback. Stuck? Cincy? No, they have won as an underdog. I'll just say Alabama. That, I mean, I'm just going to go with top teams until. No, they beat Georgia last year as an underdog. That's right. Damn it. Stuck? Um, Georgia? No, they beat Alabama as an underdog. 
first movie. Oh, yeah. Who canceled the first one? one. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go with an absolutely terrible team that always makes it on this podcast during this segment for, for reasons of proximity. And I'm going to say South Florida because Jeff Scott's terrible. You are correct, Colin. And that's how I actually came up with this question. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> that is tremendous. So Jeff Scott, two weeks ago, was talking about how the press was asking him in a press conference about, you know, struggles right now. And he said, look, it's not like we're double digit favorites every week. You know, we're so why should we we can't be expected to win all these games. So I automatically said, OK, well, let's look at your record as an underdog. USF has been an underdog under Jeff Scott 23 times. They have not won a single game as an underdog. Against FBS competition, they've only been favored twice. They split those two games. So USF, obviously the the biggest underdog role of anybody, and they have failed to win. Um, Colin, you're you're you've got three of them right. Stuck. I'll let you know that the next team, it's a group of five team, and they have been an underdog ten times in the last three years. FAU. Stucky, you're correct. FAU is, is the final one. The up-to-date standings now. Stucky, 16 points. Colin, 12 points. You you narrowed the gap uh, until next week. So since I gave the guys the hint of it being a group five conference, here were the incorrect answers by Stucky and Colin. Akron, Buffalo, Charlotte, FIU. Kent State, Louisiana Tech, New Mexico, Nevada, North Texas, Temple, and UTSA. Back to the program. <laughs> FAU. I would have never guessed FAU until like Willie one. Taggart, 0-10 as an underdog, tied to USF there. He has never won straight up as an underdog. Unbelievable. At FAU, though, right? At FAU, right. Yeah, because I feel like in Kentucky, he was a beast. At USF, he was a beast, but not at FAU. All right, should we do one one for the road? After last week, uh, I don't know if they won it, but we'll do it anyway. Yeah, so we got reverse swept last week, or 9-4 on the season. And I always pick a weekday game, so I said I'm going to do all year. Colin and I will obviously break down the entire slate later in the week on our full preview episode. But I'm going to go with UAB plus two and a half on the road at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky obviously likes to throw the ball a lot. UAB secondary has been just dominant across the board all season. You look at all these, you know, air raid and passing attacks they've played. They've shut down almost every one of them. I think that'll be the difference here. Give me UAB. I think they get it done on the road. Colin? Okay, I'm going to move on. Let's, I think the Wednesday night game we got to talk about just a little bit, uh, considering we had some early midweek games going on now that we're getting closer to matching. So Georgia yeah. State, App State, uh, point spread is 10. Uh, the total out there is 60. And, and, you know, and I project this game to be 9 and 61, so there isn't that much value out there. But if you go look at, like, Appalachian State losing to Texas State, they didn't score in the first half whatsoever, only three points going into halftime, and they squandered seven scoring opportunities just 2.4 points. So tech give credit to Texas state for amping up their offense, for playing some defense. Uh, Texas state's just playing better. I'm going to back app state here. Uh, they have some pretty major advantages as far as shutting down the rush from Georgia state. 
Uh, and I think playing at home in Boone is a, a bigger boost. And, and Georgia State just has not proven anything. Still 123rd in tackling uh, success rate. They're outside the top 110. I think App State's going to be able to take advantage here. Problem is the number. Uh, I would like to get sub 10. So if you're listening to this uh, early in the morning, uh, I'm waiting on nine and a half. I see a nine and a half pop, I'll play it. If I have to play a 10, I'll play it. But App State is the side I'm going to be on. Yeah, Kyle, I just want, also want to mention before we get to Brett that the Thursday games, because we'll, our episode comes out late Thursday night, Virginia, Georgia Tech, keep an eye on some injury stuff there. Same with Troy, South Alabama. We'll have them previewed on Action Network app and then obviously take a, keep an eye out on the Action Network app to see if any of us play anything in those games. But go ahead, Brett. Yeah, Stack, I know you love the dumpster dive, so I'm going to the very bottom of the dumpster. Colorado State and Hawaii, I don't have a side on this game. It's just for principle. I'm taking the under 46 and a half Colorado state. (laughs) I don't think they can score three touchdowns against anybody. Hawaii off the Island is miserable. And now you have Hawaii in an incredible string of playing Nevada and Colorado state back to back. Uh, As I said, Saturday on the show, when I correctly took Georgia Southern over James Madison, hold your nose, hold your nose, watch for a lot of punts in Fort Collins and give me under Colorado State and Hawaii. This is a dirty podcast. Colorado State, Hawaii going on there. We got uh got some- Hawaii's been better, by the way, since they went away from what the yelling and the, they're just going with Braden Shager. Uh now granted they played oh they, they they competed with San Diego State, um, but then they beat Nevada. And uh, their defense has been playing better as well, which lends itself to this under. But Brett, that's yes, that is dumpster down. But you're like sitting outside the dumpster, propped up on it, <laughs> eating like takeout because you're not backing either one of these teams. You're just you're just getting near the stink. Um, whereas <laughs> I'll probably dive in and bet maybe one of these teams that we'll talk about later in the week. Yeah, yeah. if you want to take if you want to take a side, you're a more powerful uh, guy than I am. Stuck. I'm just I'm going to watch from the outside and watch the punts. And hopefully there's not, not a lot of pick sixes and scooping scores. I might lean. I'm leading Hawaii here. I'll dig in. We'll talk about it later in the week in uh, our stink of the week segment with Colin when he laughs at me for all the bad teams I bet. Hey, Florida International is playing Charlotte. I think we're going to have a whole segment on that come Thursday. When oh, God. That, that I, I'm waiting for you, uh, either one of you to show up on Saturday's live show to talk about how Florida International is going to cover against Charlotte. I still can. No, I'm banned. I'm banned from Charlotte, just like you're banned <laughs> from Rice from the show. So. Hey guys, we'll I know we're. I know podcast. we already did our trivia question. I'm asking you one thing. First answer, top of your top of your head. In the last 14 games versus SEC competition, Vanderbilt 0 and 14. Who has the second worst record among SEC teams? God, Stuck. Uh, last 14, I'm going to say. Time's Florida. up. You're right. Three and 11. How bad is that? Steve yeah, Spurrier was on a podcast Monday, and he remarked. When he was asked about Florida being three and eleven in their last fourteen, he said, "Yeah, I was. I don't think we lost our eleventh SEC game until like my tenth or eleventh year." Wow, he was right. He was right. He was eighty-seven and fourteen in twelve years in SEC play. Florida and don't say his name, Colin. Three and eleven, their last fourteen. That is the worst in the SEC, behind only Vanderbilt. Amazing. Extra two points. Extra two points for me. Eighteen, twelve now. I didn't even get a chance to answer. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Arkansas only five and nine, by the way, Colin. Yeah, but all we do is cover games. So we just make the money. That's all. Okay. That's going to do it for the new BCS. Brett, Colin, and Stucky, thanks for joining us on BBOC. Make sure and tune in tomorrow 
for the group of five deep dive with Mike and Mike. Uh, and then Stucky and I will be back on Thursday, breaking down everything in week eight. We will talk to you then. Cheers. Cheers.